I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You're listening to episode 88. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. And that's pretty important. Greg Boyd said it's the most important kind of discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above, as the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 3.2, set your minds on things above. Setting our mind on good, uplifting, beautiful, true, biblically-based thoughts isn't easy. And that's why we do the podcast. I know I need it. We hope in every episode to offer you some idea, some narrative that will set your heart aflame, that will put a smile on your face. Today's thought from above is this. You are destined for glory. In one of my favorite movies, Jerry Maguire, a pro football player named Rod Tidwell, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., is talking to his agent, Jerry Maguire, played by Tom Cruise, about his desire to get a new contract. And that character, Rod Tidwell, utters one of those iconic movie lines, one some of you may remember. Show me the money. The scene is great. What happens in the scene is Rod says to Jerry, are you listening to me? Are you, are you paying attention? And Jerry's like, yeah. He said, there's one thing you just got to understand. Okay, what is it? He said, no, really, Jerry, are you listening? Yep, I'm listening. Show me the money. Okay, show you the money. No, 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 Rod says, not show you the money. Show me the money. Jerry, you got to say it like you mean it. Show me the money. Come on, Jerry, you can do better. Say it like you mean it. Show me the money. Come on, Jerry, you got to yell it. You got to feel it. Show me the money. It's a great scene. It's very funny. And that line has sort of lived on its own. Show me the money becomes a part of our modern vernacular. But I think that that phrase, show me the money, that is so important in the film, means something more than just show me the money. On one level, of course, it does mean he wants a big contract. But on another level, he means, look, no more negotiation, Jerry. I, I want you to do this. Show me the money means also, show me what you can do, Jerry. I think this, this phrase, show me the money, is a cry for even something deeper. It's a, a cry for authenticity and connection. It's a beginning point for the relationship uh, between Jerry and Rod, which is a central part of the, the movie. Throughout the the movie, we see these two characters become very close and develop this deep bond. And so I think that show me the money was a way of saying, let's go to a different place. Let's take this relationship to another level. Relationship and commitment are a big part of that particular scene and a part of the movie. In Exodus 33, there is a very famous passage in which Moses is going before God And he's asking God a question. And what he asks of God has some kind of similarity between what Rod Tidwell says to Jerry Maguire. Moses says 
to God, to Yahweh, the God of the universe. Show me your glory. Now, it's not only grammatically similar, but there's also something similar going on in what Moses is requesting. He's asking not for an abundance of money or not even for an abundance of power and splendor. When Moses is asking God, show me your glory, he's asking to see the fullness of God, which would include the mercy of God. The word glory in Hebrew, kabod, um, is the word that's used in this passage. And when Moses is asking for God to show him his glory, he's asking for something really profound. But in order to understand what Moses is asking of God, in order to understand what he's requesting, you have to understand the context of what's happening. Okay, so real briefly, prior to this moment in Exodus 33, Moses has thus far seen God face-to-face on several occasions. In the burning bush, he's seen God in the plagues, he's seen God in the parting of the sea, and most recently he's seen God in this fiery finger that writes the Ten Commandments on the two tablets. So Moses knows that God is powerful. He knows that God is holy and pure. That much he knows. But here's the thing. When Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments, while he was away, the people got a little antsy. Moses was gone a little bit too long, and they started to grumble, and they started to say, is this God really you know, good to us? He, yeah, he took us out of Egypt, and, you know, but we're in the desert. I mean, this isn't that great. And so they decide to throw a party. And so they throw this giant party, and it becomes this reckless orgy, and they melt down their gold and create a golden calf. So the people commit idolatry, which is actually a form of infidelity, because they're betraying the God who has chosen them and rescued them and led them through and toward the the promised land. So when Moses asks his question, his request, show me your glory, he's not merely asking to see more of God's holiness and power. He wants to see God's mercy. That's what's going on here. See, Moses at this point, he doesn't doubt the power of God. I mean, come on, from the burning bush to the plagues to the finger of fire, he knows God is real and powerful. That he has no doubt of. But Moses wants to know, what is God going to do with his people? Because they've really blown it. I mean, he knows that God could rightly and easily destroy the people for what they've done. I mean, they've committed idolatry and infidelity, and he knows that God has every right to absolutely wipe them out, if God wants to. And so that's why Moses has this dialogue with God. And he says something interesting in his interaction. If you want to go and look at Exodus 33, uh, it's a beautiful passage, beginning in verse 12. But one of the things that Moses says to God is, Consider, too, that this nation is your people. (laughs) It's kind of an interesting line in the midst of the dialogue. Now, why would Moses say that? 
Because in doing so, Moses is trying to say, you know, remember God, um, you did pick us. Like you did, you did choose this group of people and you brought us out of slavery and you've brought us into these, these tribes of, that you've gathered together that are becoming your people. Um, you've been with us. You did pick us. And so I'm just kind of wondering, you know, could you keep that in mind? Because, you know, they really blew it. And God answers Moses by saying this, I will do the very thing that you've asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Now, that's an interesting thing to say. In so doing, God is explaining to Moses that his love is stronger than his wrath. His response is actually saying to Moses, I'm a God of grace and mercy. So it's in that context. So they've had this dialogue. The people have sinned. Moses is like, remember, they're your people. And then that's when he boldly says, after what God says, he says, show me your glory. And so God says, okay, but here's the arrangement. I've told you, Mo, that no one can see me directly and live. So you know that. That's impossible. No one can directly look into the face of God. So here's the deal. Tomorrow morning, I want you to go up into the cleft of a rock, and I'm going to pass by. And when I'm passing by you, I'm going to cover your eyes to make sure you don't see me directly because that would be bad. And after I pass by, I will let you see the backside of me as I'm passing by. That's what God tells Moses he will do. And Moses is like, okay, I will take that. So God does that. Moses is in the cleft of the rock. God comes, covers his eyes. He passes by. God lifts off the veil, so to speak, so that he can see him, and he sees the backside of God. And that's all Moses needed to see. That was enough. Now, several centuries later, in the 16th century, Martin Luther, commenting on this very passage, this interaction, has this, what maybe is the funniest line I've ever read in all of biblical commentary. But writing on this passage, he says, he alone is a theologian who is content to see the buttocks of God. I just love that line. I know, buttocks, it's funny. But here's the deal. Um, Luther was on to something there. It, it, the person who says, look, I just, I just want to see some of your glory, God. That's, that's all I need to see. Whatever you allow me to see, that will be enough. And that's what God allows Moses to see. Now, I don't know about you, but I really connect to this passage and to that line, show me your glory. Uh, Because I recognize that within me and probably within you, I can pretty much guarantee it, we all have a longing for God. It's one of the unique aspects of the human person that we have this longing for transcendence longing for something other than, longing for something bigger than us. The psalmist speaks of this in two of my favorite passages in the psalm. Psalm 42.2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? Or Psalm 63.1, O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Blaise Pascal, the great 
scientist and philosopher said, there's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every person that only God can fill. There's a God-shaped hole in the heart of everyone. Every person you've ever met has this same God-shaped hole, and only God can fill it. Now, we're going to try to fill it with anything we can, but it's always going to fail. We might try to fill it with money, sex, power, status, material possessions, whatever it is. It's never going to work. See, this longing for transcendence is unquenchable with anything other than God. And so Moses was really on to something. He, he, he was asking for that God-shaped hole, that longing for transcendence to be fulfilled when he said, show me your glory. St. Augustine, writing in the 4th century, wrote these famous words, You've made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are forever restless until they find their rest in you. Pascal and Augustine were really saying the same thing. And you know what? Bono was saying the same thing in the famous U2 song when he sings, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Of course, now Bono's a Christian, so he understood that. He knows that the song is about that, that longing, uh, that he's gone to the highest mountain and the sea, and he's gone everywhere. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, because it can only be found in God. We all long for the glory of God. It's the glory of God. It's for this power. It's for this mercy. It's for the goodness and beauty and truth and holiness of God. We were designed for it. And when we fail to find it, um, we're empty. We're restless, as Augustine would say. Nothing will fulfill it. But here's the great thing. There's so many great things I love about the Bible. But... um, what we see in the scriptures is this, and not, not too long ago, my, my daughter Hope asked me, she said, Dad, what did Jesus mean when he said, I'm the bread of life? And I said, well, here's the thing, Hope, um, when, almost always when Jesus is saying whatever he's saying and doing, he's fulfilling the Old Testament. Jesus is the answer to Israel's question, to the, to the story that Israel's living. Jesus is always the answer and the solution. So listen to John 1.14, the beginning of John's gospel. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. There's the word. See, Jesus comes to us. Because we have this propensity in us. We have this thing called our pride that turns us away from God. So we have this longing for transcendence, but we'll turn away. We'll say, now I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run my life. I don't really need you, God. There's the old cliche, you know, if you feel far from God, ask the question, who moved? Well, it's always going to be you. But here's the great thing about God. God keeps moving towards us. So God in Christ comes for us. The Word became flesh and lived among us. And we've seen His glory. See, we move away, but God moves closer to us. That's the, the great thing about God. And in John 14, 9, a verse I've quoted before, it's such an important verse, um, where Philip, one of the disciples, says to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, you keep talking about the Father. When are you going to show us the Father? And Jesus says, Philip, 
How long have you been with me and you still don't get it? And then here's the line, John 14, 9. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And Paul's saying the same thing in Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the face of the Father. The disciples had been looking at it the whole time, and they didn't recognize it. Of course, they would eventually. And that's why another one of my favorite verses, today's episode's filled with my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Oh, what's going on here? Paul's referencing that. See, just as Jesus is fulfilling the stories of the Old Testament, Paul understands that as well. On all of us with unveiled faces. What's that about? Well, when Moses had been face to face with God, when he came back down to the people, they're like, Moses, whoa, Mo, you are glowing. We've got to put a veil on your face because it was a million watts. But Paul's saying, but all of us, we're, we behold the face of Christ, but we with unveiled faces, we can see God directly. And we look at Christ as we look at ourselves in a mirror. And when we look at Jesus, just as we stare into a mirror and see ourselves, but when we look and we see Jesus, we are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. In other words, we were meant to glow. We're designed for glory. When Christ, who is your life, appear, then you will also appear with him in glory, Colossians 3, 4. See, when we look into the face of Jesus, when we contemplate his glory, we're transformed into the same image. That's what Christian spiritual formation is about. We become what we contemplate. We become what we think about. We become what we set our minds on, what we long for. And that's why when we see the face of God in the face of Jesus, when we see that, we're becoming transformed. Pope Benedict XVI, a couple previous back popes, um, has this quote that I just love. He said, there's nothing more beautiful than the encounter with Christ. There's nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. That's the greatest beauty. That's what our hearts are long, longing for. That's Moses Christ, show me your glory. That's the cry all of us have. And we find its fulfillment in Christ. Nothing more beautiful than the encounter with Christ, said Pope Benedict. That's what we're designed for. It's a beautiful thing. You know, someone once said to me, Jim, what do you think is like the best prayer? (laughs) And I don't know that there's a best prayer, but I can tell you, I think a prayer that God really loves to answer is that same prayer of Moses. Show me your glory. For the last several months, that's been my prayer. In my own prayer life, when I'm in private, when I'm alone with God, that's become a repetitive prayer for me. Just show me your glory, God. Show me your glory today. Show me your power and goodness and mercy. Just, it's a, it's a great prayer. And you know what? I've also been praying it for other people. So, you know, typically when I pray for someone else, I'll pray, you know, we'll help so-and-so, guide them, heal them, provide what they need. And that's all good. 
But lately I've just been praying when I, I bring a person to mind that I want to pray for, and I just say, show them your glory. Lord, today, show them your glory. I mean, it's just so wonderful. It's a great way to pray. I encourage you to pray for other people in that way and to pray that prayer yourself. So you are destined for glory. That's what God's been wanting to do in your life all along. I encourage you to pray that prayer for yourself and pray it for other people because God wants to show you His glory. I hope you join me next week for episode 89. It's going to be a special episode because one of my books, Room of Marbles, is being republished by InterVarsity Press with this new expanded edition, and it comes out on November the 3rd. And so we're going to have a whole episode dedicated to that book and its themes and its, its ideas and what hope is about. It's just, a, it's going to be fun. I hope you'll join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above.